Oh, we nearly had the video twice there. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Kane Sims. Got a little bit of a cold. I was at the Beers and Bots event uh, last week. I thought I'd come down with COVID afterwards. Turns out, hopefully, it's just a bit of a cold. So I've been uh, dosing myself up on Lem Sips uh, as of late. But I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling all right. This time of day is usually pretty good. Uh, it's the mornings that are the problem. So uh, good job that uh, my guests today are hospitable enough to join me at a, at a sensible hour in the UK. Uh, so it's very close now. It's getting very close to the European Chatbot Summit in Edinburgh. Uh, it's going to be March the 15th and 16th. VUX World has a stage and a track running on the 16th of March presented by Core AI. And we are going to be diving into all kinds of practical lessons for implementing conversational AI in enterprises. We've got Vodafone talking about their journey with Toby. We have... Um, Core AI are bringing Roche. They've got a very interesting use case helping people uh, use medical equipment using conversational AI and troubleshooting. We've got Love Holidays. We have uh, Total Jobs Group, Stepstone. We've got LNAR, Decathlon, a whole bunch of really, really great brands discussing their learnings and their journey in automating customer experience and transforming customer experience using conversational AI. If you want to attend, there is still tickets left. You can use the promo code VUXEU23 to save 30% on your tickets. And all you need to do is go to theeuropeanchatbot.com. That is theeuropeanchatbot.com, promo code VUXEU23 to save 30% on your ticket. You can't say fairer than that especially if you can't pronounce your T's or your H's. <laughs> now, joining me today is uh, two incredibly experienced guys, uh, Dave Schreffler, who is the SVP of Financial Services and Sales at Core AI, and Peter Burby, who is the SVP of Financial Services Product at Core AI, the two people responsible for the FSI arm, I say, arm or leg, uh, whichever side of the business it is, uh, at Core AI. And uh, gents, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. Um, two very experienced people uh, in this industry, so I'm always always uh, excited to uh, to to speak to you. Always excited to to learn, and uh, yeah, interesting. I look forward to this conversation because on the podcast in the past, I don't know whether we've actually focused specifically on a certain type of industry before we've had healthcare companies on we've had you know telcos on and stuff like that but we've really just been discussing the practical or, or the implication or the kind of value of of the technology not necessarily looking at a sector as a whole and saying where are the opportunities where are people having success what's the value what are the real business drivers so i'm excited to get into it um but maybe first maybe to set the scene uh peter maybe we'll start with you do you want to tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself and your, your kind of background and what you do at Core AI? Sure. Um, so at Core, I manage our product management for financial services. So my team is um, designing the conversations and creating the assistance to help um, in different financial industries. Um, my background, I was at Bank of America for over 16 years working in the digital kind of area, built out online banking as well as online or mobile banking for Bank of America. Um, and then I was at Citibank for um, six years, working international, again, in the digital space, um, building out a wealth management platform uh, in Asia for wealth customers and relationship managers, and then uh, building out a commercial banking, online banking platform. 
Interesting. Lots of lots of experience in the financial sector. What led you into conversational AI then? You've you've worked in lots of kind of seemingly really sort of core technology roles across banking. What was it about conversational AI that sort of that brought you across the core AI? Sure. Um, for me, I think it really was kind of that next step. You know, as I was looking at kind of Alexa taking off and I was looking at Google Assistant and some of these other kind of voice technologies um, and then looking at like the banks just didn't really have anything kind of in this voice space. And so the more I looked into this, it, it was just a very logical next step for me to take kind of my experience that I've had um, working in the digital channels and um, in retail and commercial banking, and then to bring that kind of into a solution that was pre-built for banks so that they could um, easily, um, you know, turn it on and go. Nice, nice. Wicked. Uh, we'll get into that, uh, hopefully, as we go through the course of the conversation. Uh, David, what about yourself? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, how, you, how you arrived at Core AI. Sure, sure. So... Yeah, David Schreffler, and I'm responsible for the uh, sales team that focuses on financial services here at Corp. And and I've actually been here since day one. And and so, you know, I've seen the evolution, not only of our product, but evolution of the industry and evolution of the acceptance of virtual assistance and conversational AI in financial services and, and, and earlier on outside of financial services as well. So, you know, I've had the good fortune to be able to be directly involved with some of our largest deployments, uh, both in financial services and outside of financial services. So hopefully today I can, you know, as appropriate, share some of those some of those stories and, and experiences. And what led me here? Well, candidly, it was um, I mean I've known Raj for a lot of our, our CEO and founder Raj. I've known him for a lot of years, and and his vision for what conversational AI could do and and be for, you know, for the industry and specifically financial services. Um, I mean, there's just such massive value uh, that that the industry can have from this that, you know, got me excited and wanted to be part of it. And do you think that, um, maybe it's a question for both of you, obviously, David, from when you began at Core AI to now, obviously, a lot's changed. Do you think that the financial services, it seems to me like financial services, like one of the hottest industries for conversational AI, like would you say that broadly speaking, the FSI industry has woken up to conversational AI, or am I just seeing that oh, because yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan and all I do see is the ones that are working on it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, financial services tends to be an early adopter anyway of of technology, right? And and uh, certainly the larger banks and insurance companies and credit unions and, and et cetera. They, they, they have a lot of tech, uh, technology expertise in-house. And, you know, so, so the, they tend to be on the forefront of a lot of this. Um, and, and, but now, not just the largest banks and credit unions and, and, and uh, insurance companies, et cetera, but, you know, the mid-market, the mid-market banks and, and the, the mid-market credit unions and the smaller insurance companies and et cetera, they are, you know, they all, are seeing the value of it. And, and so, I mean, you know, there's so many different areas within a bank or within a credit union or within a, 
candidly, even within collections companies, that they can really benefit that, that yeah, they, they definitely clearly see the value. Do you think, Peter, that that is because of the technology becoming more accessible? I mean, you're, t- you're saying there around the, I'm, I'm assuming you're alluding to Corey Eye's bank assist when you're saying that it's, it's very close to just kind of like plug and play sort of thing, pre-configured sure. agents. Is, is it a technology democracy thing that's that's leading this adoption? Or do you think it's, as David was saying, naturally the financial services industry just gravitates towards this stuff anyway. And so it's kind of bound to happen sort of thing. Yeah, well, I, I do think that COVID really kind of gave it a big, kind of nudge. Um, So when COVID hit and all of a sudden people couldn't physically go into branches anymore, the call centers really just started to blow up and they were having a hard time maintaining staff in the call centers. And so, you know, they really had to look at a way to make their call centers much more efficient. And I think naturally, um, conversational AI is kind of that next generation of IBR that really allows them to kind of automate. Um, and I think that, you know, and that's one of the reasons when we built out Bank Assist, we really focused on, you know, the types of um, interactions that customers can call in so that we can automate some of those, um, you know, really to kind of take the pressure off the live agents. Um, And then the other big thing is when you're working with a lot of these smaller banks and medium-sized banks, their customer service is, you know, from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. So, you know, getting them to a much better 24-7 type of service that could answer um, a lot of their questions uh, was really, you know, a key to like really improving the customer experience that the bank customers have with the call centers. And then, and then actually, Kane, if you don't mind me jumping in on that a little bit too. So, so far, at least I've been thinking about the automation and the assistance that we can bring to the bank customers or insurance customers or whoever. Um, but there's also a lot of automation and assistance that we provide to the bank employees, um, and and also also the uh, call center agents. When Peter was talking about COVID, kind of blowing up the call centers, a lot of you know, obviously a lot of people, no one could come into the contact centers anymore, and and so with the availability of not just bank assist, but then agent assist as well, which is a virtual assistant that is reading the live chat conversation or listening to the live phone call and pre-retrieving for the agent all the answers that that they need to service the customer, then, you know, there's automation, uh, significant automation and significant help that that, um, that agent assist brings. And then, and then we also have uh, implementations where the, you know, advisors or the bankers or the, uh, the in-branch employees are using virtual assistants to help them in, in research and answering questions, uh, performing tasks that they don't routinely do, so they're not real clear how to do it. So you know, there's there's all manner of use cases that, as, and then not tying it back to what Peter was saying, that especially because of the disruption of COVID, um, it, it surfaced a lot of needs that where conversational AI could help in every aspect of the bank. 
or mm. insurance company, etc. Mm. I remember when um, when Alexa was very popular, and still, although it was popular in certain circles, the conversations that we used to have with potential clients when we were trying to sort of like build Alexa skills and stuff like that was we were really trying to or had to educate them on what Alexa is, why it's so important, why a skill would be important, and kind of the path towards doing it. And it seems as though the awareness in in general, but certainly in financial services industry, it's probably beyond that now, where there's more awareness. If you, as you were saying, David, the, the kind of more mid-tier FSI companies are being involved, which means inherently that there's a more awareness there. But then, Peter, as you were saying that, you know, a lot of these companies, which is not just the case for FSI companies, it's the case for lots of companies, which is that they're only open from nine to five. So they need round the clock support. The the kind of questions that we used to have to field when we were talking about Alexa was, why do I need Alexa? Why don't I just do this over here instead? Why don't I just do this on my website instead kind of thing? And so I'm curious about whether, is this the level of conversation that you still have sometimes, which is, why do I need conversational AI when I could have self-service on my website or is the market past that conversation now? Yeah, I, I don't think they're past that conversation. I mean, if you talk to most banks, um, maybe the bigger banks have about 80% of their customer base using mobile or online banking. The other 20% still don't use it. So that's still a big chunk of customers who are going to be, you know, calling in on the phones. And so um, also some of the conversations that we'd have with um, the banks where, okay, we want to put this in our mobile banking, we want to put this in our online banking, but we only want it to do stuff that isn't available in mobile or online banking. Um, and that then somewhat limits your ability to easily have the same assistant in multiple channels. But, you know, after talking to them about, you know, the benefit of having the same assistant um, in all your channels, whether it's IBR, SMS, WhatsApp, social media, on your website to answer both authenticated and unauthenticated questions because we can log them in or within their mobile and online banking, having that one central assistant that can answer consistently the same way across all the channels um, is really important. The other thing, it's really important that your assistant can answer the basic questions as well as the hard ones. You know, if you think about it, when a customer's gonna engage, if they wanna engage on a daily basis, you've gotta make sure that the assistant can also do the stuff they're gonna do daily as well as that's how they learn to trust it. And that's how they know to come to the assistant um, when they have a more difficult problem that needs solving. Mm, mm. Very good. What you about on your then, side? So yeah, go on, David. Oh yeah. Sorry, Kane. I was just going to, going to add yeah, on a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, Peter actually brought up a really good point around the virtual system living in every channel, where a customer might interact and being in the channels where they do interact. And, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of recognition now that I'm seeing that 
wasn't happening maybe a year or two ago where because the virtual assistant is interacting with a with a customer in multiple channels the the virtual assistant is able to take the context and the understanding of the interaction in a mobile channel but then the separate interaction that happened in a web channel the separate interaction that might have happened when they called into the contact center and a separate interaction when i don't know you know when they were in some some other channel and and use all of that context in the next interaction or in the current interaction with with that particular customer and um allowing the bank and allowing the institution to have a much better understanding of their customer and the and you know their uh, what their needs have been and what their needs are and predict what their next need will be right so so having having that true omni-channel view in relationship with the customer through through a single virtual assistant um, there's a whole bunch of understanding now that's happening around the value of that Mm, mm, absolutely i don't think it's it's kind of like the more that businesses explore this the more you start to get to a place where you know that front end or front kind of first customer's touch point becomes ai mediated and you know over time the scope of the use cases it can handle grows the depth of the conversations that it can have grows um and until you're at a place where you know you, you do have a kind of ai mediated front end for for most channels basically and it seems to me that the financial services industry is the most mature in that thinking you know i don't know what's going on with with eno but i know that capital one had eno which was like you know front face of of almost all of their channels basically was was basically mediated by eno mm. erica had success in 2017 to 2020 with with erica presumably that's still doing really well um a lot of them have now i think focused probably more on because it was that was very much a marketing ploy which is Eno, Erica, like the 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 kind of like taking advantage of the hype around Alexa and stuff like that. Seems to me though, from from what I've um from my experience in, in having conversations with these types of companies, probably specifically in banking, not necessarily the whole FSI uh industry, but it seems to me as though there's been maturity in, in that sense, in that now it's not necessarily about the branded personal assistant kind of facade it's more actually about trying to solve for more kind of like burning use cases like really important things that they need to do in different channels would you concur with that or not oh yeah yeah absolutely you know you're you're right and in the early days i i too saw that a lot of the uh marketing around various virtual assistants that were out in the marketplace it was really just that it was sort of marketing, but when you interacted with that virtual assistant, it was basically deep links, you know, and mm. into into the website, right? Um, now it now those those things have matured a little bit, but wh- what I'm seeing uh, is that the you know the institutions want to provide personalized service, contextualized service, um, with you know with the ability for their customer if they choose to never have to contact the call center, right? Never have to interact with human being. And so many, and by the way, you know, increasingly people just don't want to, right? They, they will, if they have to, but that's not the preferred way to, to get service. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. talking with the human being prefer not, I'd rather interact with a virtual assistant. And so there, there is, um, 
there's a you know, growing recognition that the virtual assistant needs to be able to have sophisticated, very human-like conversations so as to satisfy the needs of, of the customers. And so delivering real business value is the, is the focus. You know, marketing hype, I think we're past that. Mm. What do you think, Peter? You, you were about to chip in as well there. Yeah, I was going to agree. I think, you know, the banks are really now focusing on trying to create a better customer experience, um, especially it comes to voice. So when you look at things like, you know, customers are able to use their voice to speak to their TV remote and all of a sudden what they want to watch on Netflix comes up on the screen or um, just it's evolved that customers are really more expecting um, to engage with their voice and providing the right avenue that lets them do that, you know, um, is I think just going to that next level of customer service um, and of customer satisfaction. You know, even when you think about it, you know, mobile banking is so much faster than like when we would have to go into a branch and do something, right? It's a lot more convenient. But even when you're still in mobile banking, you know, you may have to migrate through seven or eight screens to do the one thing you want to do versus hitting the microphone and talking to the assistant and saying, you know, transfer $200 from my checking to my savings account now and have it instantly happen for them. I mean, it's just, it's that next generation of creating a better customer experience and making things easier to do. Mm. You're speaking my language now, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I used to, I used to do a, um, a little demo when I used to do, uh, when I used to do a lot of sp speaking around Alexa and the scenario that I used to do is I would have a volunteer come up to, you know, if there was a stage, it would be a stage, but just come up to in front of the audience and we would both have our phones and we would have a competition to see who can get directions to the after party or the pub that we were going to afterwards or whatever it might be and who can do it faster. And I would, I would, I can't touch my phone. My phone's just on the floor or, or on the side and they're allowed to touch their phone. And I would just say, Hey Siri, give me directions to X, Y, Z. And it would just pop up. And, the reason for doing it, and nine times out of ten, it would be faster to do it using Siri. Um, that's when it did understand my accent, uh, and, and it's just to, it's to demonstrate that exact value, which is that aside from the inherent friction built into the device, for, such as a phone, where you need to first of all get it out of your pocket, then you need to unlock it, then you need to start your journey, find the app. Then you're in the app. Now where all the fun starts because you need to actually then find out where you need to go to get to whatever you need to get done done. Um, it was just a good demonstration of the kind of the way in which a voice interface can just break down those barriers. Um, but it's interesting because I haven't seen necessarily the voice aside from Eno, um, Erica, which kind of come out the gate pretty quickly. I haven't seen that many other deployments of the voice interface side of things, which really surprises me because, you know, Obviously, voice is harder, um, and even now, for example, I think I believe that some some banks in the UK certainly they have a lot of their chatbots buried in the app, 
and you've got to go to the contact part of the app first and then the chatbot will come up. It's very specifically a, a customer service based thing. Um, but what you're describing there, Peter, is really what the true value of, of a voice interface is, which is, yes, customer service, but also being able to do all kinds of other tasks. I'm wondering where you both see the current state of play from an adoption perspective on that front. Like we've spoke about how the, the the financial companies are beginning to really focus on high value use cases and solving business problems. But what about using voice in other areas outside of the contact center? Have you noticed this kind of uh, continue to get momentum or is this something that's going a bit slower than you'd expect? Um, so I'll go ahead, Peter. Um, so I think, you know, as more and more people are getting used to like, instead of texting on their phone, they, with the keyboard, they're hitting the microphone, right? So they're, they're talking to it. They're getting more used to, um, and as they're doing this in more places, um, they're looking for this also kind of within, um, different virtual assistants as well. And so we've designed our web SDK. So there's always a microphone there. Um, we're also experimenting with making the microphone kind of more in the forefront and having the keypad <coughs> be the optional um, just to get the, because when people actually speak to the assistant, uh, we're able to be more accurate. Right. They don't just give like they don't just say credit card. They say, what's the balance on my credit card? Um, and, you know, I think the chatbot industry has done a really good job of training people just to use short little blurbs because the chatbots were so bad they could never kind of do what they wanted anyway. So they were either menu driven or just total keyword driven. So unfortunately, you know, the customers that's how they've been trained to interact with them. And so now that we truly do have conversational AI that isn't menu driven, it's not you know, linear in how the conversation has to go. Um, I think that customers, when they do use their voice and engage with it, they're finding that they can say more and um, it does help the assistant solve what they're looking for better. Nice, nice. Um, I know there's a lot more to FSI than banking, and I'd be interested to get into in some other uh, other areas and other use cases. But first, I've got one quick question just on the banking front. The banking assist. I've seen a number of different uh, examples of these kind of things, not just in banking, but uh, I know Corey has got a number of them, you know, the, the HR assist and IT assist and stuff like that. The question I had is, from your experience, how kind of how cookie cutter are these types of assistants Like I could understand that it's highly likely, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just making some assumptions here, but it's highly likely that Corey, I has got banking customers that have delivered and built banking use cases. And therefore you're able to then create a, essentially a best of breed model that is able to take the best or, or the, you know, the best of, of all of those use cases, roll it up into one. And so that you have presumably conversational patterns which kind of underpin some of the core use cases language models that support those use cases and then again in theory all that's really left is integrating into the bit the banking systems in order to push data pull data in and out of the conversation is is it as simple as that 
Or is there a bit, am I missing something? Is, is there more to it than that? Because I've, I've never really, I know that these companies have these cookie cutter style assistants, but I'm not, I haven't necessarily been on the practical side of implementing them. Well, yeah. in fact, I'll, I'll, Go ahead, I'll jump, in, I'll jump in as the sales guy. And then Peter, you can, you can uh, then add in after, after I say my little bit, but, but Peter actually has done a, a fabulous job. Peter and, and his team have done a fabulous job in taking our experience, uh, experiences that we've gathered over the years, and then, of course, Peter's personal experiences and those of the, uh, the rest of the team, and have built out Bank Assist that has some pre-built 200 things that it does. And, uh, but also, sort of along with that, providing what we call configuration workbench, uh, where you literally can say, oh, well, of these 200 things, here's, here's seven that I don't want to do. And, and so it's merely a configuration setting. And because Bank Assist is built on top of, built with and, and runs on top of the Core AI XO platform, <coughs> then it's, easy, it's super easy to say, oh, well, there are three things that Bank Assist doesn't do that I want to add in. And so it, it really is uh, as simple as configuration settings. And then once you have it configured, you have it branded, you have, um, you, know, you, you, you have it representing the, the different uh, tasks and, and things that you, you want as uh, want to provide from your bank, then it really is as simple as connecting it then to whatever your core system and, and, and various uh, ecosystem systems are. And we even have pre-built connectors for that. So it really can be as easy as just plug and play and be live in, in days and weeks as opposed to, you know, months and months and months. So there, Peter, that's, that's, my, that's my overview. Um, you want to jump in on that? Sure. Um, so I, I think, um, and I, when you look at, so there's a lot of different kind of point solutions out there right, for the customers to choose from. And when you look at banking, um, how you pay a credit card bill at bank one versus bank two is pretty much the exact same thing, right? So the actual execution of the flow and the steps that you have to do is pretty standard. But what isn't standard um, and I think becomes very important is you know, the, the training that's been done up front to be able to recognize all the different ways that a person can request to pay their credit card bill. And what else is not, you know, kind of cookie cutter across a lot of these other solutions is in the middle of, let's say, paying their credit card bill, they're looking for the credit card and they can't find it. And all of a sudden they say, my credit card's lost. Right. And the ability for, you know, the assistant to actually be able to pivot um, and help them with their lost card and then take them right back and finish paying the credit card bill. And so some of these interactions that really make the conversations more realistic, more flowing rather than just a very linear set of steps. Um, which you'll see in a lot of the point solutions that are out there for banking. Um, I think that's really what makes kind of our platform 
like different and why it stands out. And when you talk to these small guys, the hardest thing for them to consider is hooking up their core banking platform, right? Because their core banking platform is at one of these big providers who will barely give them the time of day to, to do a project. So the fact that we've already gone in and we've already pre-configured all the APIs, we literally just, you know, have to get a client secret, a client ID, and another piece of information. And then the bank is able to get up and running and start UAT testing. Um, so it's it truly, I think, has kind of evolved that it's much faster and much easier uh, to get these guys started. Mm, that's really good. I used to do a lot of work with in government uh, organizations, and it was exactly the same in principle, which is that the way that it's fundamentally the things that, that different companies do are all the same, isn't it? Every single company that makes cars offers the exact same product and service. Do you want to buy a car or not? You know, and then it's the same yeah. thing with government. With government, do you want to you need to apply for your passport, tax your car, uh, I don't know, report that your street lamp outside is broken, whatever it is, it's all the same. And all government bodies all over the world pretty much do the same kind of thing. What's different sometimes is some of the policies could be different. So, for example, one local kind of uh, organization might say that. Um, you know, if if you were to, I don't know, like, let's say that you were going to arrange for your, for your fridge freezer to be collected, for argument's sake, you're having a refurb, your fridge freezer's outside in the front garden, you want to get it picked up. Some companies would say that, okay, you can have your fridge freezer picked up and it costs this much, uh, but you're not allowed to get anything else picked up with it. Other companies might have a policy which says, okay, we'll pick your fridge freezer up. And also, if you've got some dining room chairs that you don't want anymore, put them there as well and we'll collect it as well difference in policy sometimes might mean difference in requirements so to speak but sure. then what used to happen more than anything else i'd be curious to see if this is the case in your experience is one company purely out of uh i suppose ego or the need to feel as though they are different in some way would just not want to adopt the same solution purely because of that reason like we had a big program where we tried to standardize all these processes yeah. and different companies would just not take them because they didn't feel as though they'd kind of had ownership over it. And so they wanted to poke around and change things and stuff. I'm not saying that that, that does apply. I'm just curious about your kind of experience. Like do, people, do you find that the that banks are happy to take AI uh, bank assist because it solves a problem and the priority is getting the problem solved? Or do they kind of want to put their own little flavor into it and, and you know, customize it? Not necessarily because they have to, but just because they want to feel some sort of ownership sort of thing. Yeah, so, the, so they definitely want to customize it in terms of the responses. So our platform lets them get in, make sure that how the assistant is responding um, really reflects their tone of voice. Right, so this is their brand voice. This is how they would normally um, speak to their customers. Um, and then, you know, the other conversation that I kind of really have with the banks that kind of got them over this, we need to customize everything or there's no way that your stuff is gonna be able to work because uh, we just do things so differently. Um, 
So really what the virtual assistant does is it understands what the customer's asking for, and then it gathers information needed to execute, right? But then once we execute, I use the bank's APIs. Their APIs have certain controls within them that, you know, required fields, required, they've got different checks, really. So when I, when I talk to the banks and when they're, when they really want to talk about making a lot of modifications, it's really, we're already using all your existing process. Really what you're changing uh, and have the ability to change is how you want to gather the information um, from the customer. But because we're leveraging all of their APIs, it really isn't, it's not totally new. Right, all the regulatory stuff is already there, tied to the APIs. So yes, there's some legal review and certain things that you want to make sure that the responses are in line. Um, but otherwise, it's it's really not as kind of complicated, I think, as some of these banks start off thinking. And once they understand that, um, then I think it it tends to kind of go a lot faster with them in terms of, yeah, you're right. Um, we just need to focus on the responses and make sure we're comfortable with the conversation. Mm, nice. That's good. Cause I think it does solve a big problem, which is, you know, the, the getting started can be quite difficult, especially when you feel as though you've got a mountain to climb. And I think a lot of the, especially the mid tier banks will be thinking that they've got a huge mountain to climb and, which, which, to be honest, they do, <laughs> because how long has it taken Capital One to build out what they've got? How long has it taken uh, Bank of America to build out what they've got? Millions of millions of dollars. I don't know exactly the price of Bank Assist for Corei, but I, I bet you it's not kind of tens and twenties of millions of dollars necessarily, because you know they've had to they've had to invest a lot, for example, in all of the core technologies and stuff like that over the years. But anyway, um, that's that's that's. Interesting. We've covered a lot about banking. I'm curious to get into some of these other areas because I know that financial services um, isn't kind of only banking. And so I'm curious, David, maybe you could share a little bit of, of information in terms of like what other company types uh, do, do you kind of consider as being, you know, in need of this solution within the FSI sort of uh industry maybe we can we can get into some use cases sort of that but first of all like when people hear the the financial services kind of label i think they probably just think banking maybe insurance but right. there's a bit more to it right right um and and right before i jump into that kane i want to add on just a a little bit to the concept around oh it's not such a heavy lift anymore for a bank or anybody in financial services uh to be able to have a virtual assistant but I want to make sure to point out that that it's not a heavy lift to have a virtual assistant on your website or in your mobile app. And and also that same virtual assistant living in voice channels. So living in your contact center. So you can be live simultaneously or near simultaneously in digital, in your mobile app, in your in your web app, in other digital channels, and in your voice channels and in your contact center basically simultaneously, because it is the same virtual assistant. Now, the responses are different. 
you can't, if somebody calls into your contact center, you can't show them pictures over the phone, right? But, um, but you certainly um, have this, the, the same intents, the same tasks and capabilities that the virtual assistant can do, irregardless of the channel. It's just the responses are a little bit different. The training is about, the same. The conversation what about is the yeah. same. What about training data, though? Is training data identical? Because I'm imagining, like, you know, in a, in, in a chat channel, you know, Peter was saying earlier on that, like, some people have been trained in chat to be a little bit more kind of short and succinct, whereas voice they might be a bit more verbose. Text messaging might be slightly different to, to social messaging or whatever. Like, in your experience, is it the exact same language model you can get away with? So, so Peter, you have you have the real practical experience of multiple implementations on that. So I'll let you I'll let you answer. So um, what we find is that you the same training set um, should be used for all uh, because it's providing kind of the broadest um, kind of coverage. So like, for example, when you're looking at um, the IVR space, someone still could say credit card, right? Um, and so you still want to be able to handle some of these types of short utterances that you may um, get in like in a chat in the IVR, um, but, it's, but it's still kind of that same kind of training set. Um, and now as we're transitioning to the large language models, um, we're finding that it really will be even more so kind of that same training set. And it's really your testing and your, your batch test utterances and things like that, that tend to vary by channel, but your training, um, typically is consistent and should be consistent across all. Nice. Very, very well cleared up. Thank you for that. Um, cool. That makes perfect sense. So so the next part of the, 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 that question then was around helping to clarify what we mean when we say financial services and what type of companies are kind of, uh, you know, have opportunities for this, for this technology, should we say? Right. Well, of course, we've been talking about banks, um, and and we've been talking about customer service and a little bit about agent assistance. But there's a whole lot of other you know areas within a bank and lines of business within a bank that um, that virtual assistants can really help out with. So there's on the lending side, whether it be you know credit cards or consumer lending or mortgage lending. Um, obviously, in the collection space, we can really help banks in the collection space. I really will get off banks here in a second, King. Um, and, and um, you know, certain banks have advisory um, and wealth management, uh, you know, roles within the banks. And, and so the, the advisors themselves would be using virtual assistants uh, to help them prepare for portfolio reviews or, you know, answer questions for the customers, et cetera. So there's a whole lot more that a whole lot uh, of additional help that we can provide banks than just sort of the traditional virtual assistant for retail banking, right? So there's there's lots of other help. Now, um, large credit unions kind of operate like like banks, but smaller credit unions operate just a little bit differently. I mean, it's still about having accounts and all that, but but I mean, you know, again, it's it's 
members that they are helping. And, and oftentimes they take a little more personal approach, a, personal, a little more personal relationship. So um, uh, there are variations within the credit unions around just how banks think about it versus credit unions. Uh, but now kind of leaving, leaving the banking and credit union space, certainly insurance companies, um, you know, PNC uh, insurance companies, health insurance companies, et cetera. Um, there's, we have implementations in the, I'll, I'll focus right now on, on PNC where, you know, uh, the customer can, can um, open up a claim you know, uh, create their their notification of the notification of first loss, and everything from create the claim to then provide documentation around it, um, check on the status of it, uh, and and then you know ultimately receive the the uh, the reimbursement for it, um, and as well as you know pay premiums and that sort of thing. So in, in PNC insurance, uh, there's lots of uh, lots of opportunity for virtual assistance to help the customers of insurance companies. And what, um, what does sorry, what, then, what does PNC what does PNC stand for? Oh, um, uh, property and casualty. So so oh, auto okay. insurance or home home insurance or renters insurance or you know something like that. As opposed I'm to as opposed to health insurance or medical insurance. Yeah. 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 But cool, cool. but again there in you know in, in health insurance and medical insurance and life insurance. Again, it's centered around claims and the, the account servicing, and and so allowing a customer to be able to self serve, as opposed to having to wait for twenty minutes to talk to an agent, uh, or to see what their coverage is, or are they eligible for a particular coverage? Um, those are all very you know typical kinds of use cases that we see there. Um, uh, there's there's credit card companies, and consumer loans, mortgage lending. Um, again, all you know, all uh, use cases there where servicing the, the, the customer can self-service. Now, one of the interesting use cases, and actually, uh, in an earlier podcast where where you had Raj and Persona on that podcast, they talked about a use uh, use case where a wealth management firm is their financial advisors are using a virtual assistant to be able to get answers from the tens and, and hundreds of thousands of documents. That they have within the firm to mm. to get very specific answers, the sentences out of the paragraphs where the answer is, um, so that they can they can have the most update up to date and accurate information when they are you know answering questions and doing research on behalf of their customers. Um, so you know that's a that's a very solid use case in wealth management and advisory firms. Um, uh, collections companies. Increasingly, we are are uh, uh, having success within the collections companies, uh, where both in inbound, where uh, where they're wanting to receive payment from from their customers and from the debtors, um, as well as in the outbound, where they need to do they need to do right party verification, and and then once they identify that oh well, this is the right party. Then the virtual assistant can have a conversation with that person around making a payment on their loan, or even negotiating a, a payment schedule, or, or or even a settlement on it. So increasingly, we're seeing that in in the collection side of the house, there's adoption of virtual assistants, uh, candidly because of the because of the cost savings and and look, people don't want to 
have to have a conversation with another human being when they're behind on payments. They'd rather not talk to a human about it. And so the adoption of, of using a virtual assistant we see is really high in, in collections companies as well. So those are, those are a few. I, I think uh, there's, you know, I generally think about it as 9, 10, 11 different kinds of companies, but, but those are mm. sort of the highlights. Interesting. And I think you're right, yeah, there's, there's certain use cases where people would definitely feel more comfortable not speaking to a human. There was a really good example mm -hmm. of a, um, of a, it was actually coming out of India. There was a chatbot that was created that actually was there to help people who are predominantly women who are suffering from domestic abuse. And it was a chatbot mm -hmm. and people found it more um, kind of like uh, approachable or, or people were more comfortable speaking to a chatbot mm -hmm. than they were others, uh, like actual humans, which is really yeah. interesting. The other interesting thing about that actually is that most of their usage came during the middle of the night when yeah. the yeah. you know husband abuser was asleep and they were texting during the night, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely mm -hmm. the case. What, what, what do you think? I'd be interested in getting both of your thoughts on this. Like, that we've spent a lot of time talking about banking, and I think that's obvious because the the need in banking and the activity in banking is 110% evident and has been for a number of years. Um, and I think that the work to try and democratize access and usage of this technology through things like bank assistance, so that is, is absolutely needed. Out of all those other industries and, and use case types, like if you were to pick one which is either like the most exciting or the biggest untapped opportunity for these in, for these kind of companies, like where would you think that that is? Maybe Peter will start with you. Any ideas in terms of like where is the re like, is there a gem in the, in those company types and use cases that David would just cover in there where you think it would be an absolute dream to to work on more of that? Yeah, I I actually think the collections area is the perfect area for a virtual assistant because similar to what you were saying about the domestic abuse, right? People are embarrassed if you're, if you're, if you can't pay your bills and they've kind of gone over. Um, the other thing is collections largely has been in the phone calls, right? You have a phone call, which if you're accepting a phone call, it means that you have to be at a place that you can talk. You've got to be prepared to talk about it. Um, and, and plus, you know, with all the screening and everything else that's now happening on phones, there's just not a good way or it's, it's easy to ignore these calls. So now, you know, developing the right virtual assistant um, that can use SMS, it can send you a message. When you want to respond, you can, right? So it can sit out there for a day, two days, three days. And when you're ready to respond, you have the ability to respond and the virtual assistant can then, you know, instantly start kind of interacting kind of right with you. Um, I, I think when you look at, especially a lot of the, companies that are sending stuff out to collections agencies, I think it would allow them to keep some of that longer because they'd have the ability to automatically be trying to kind of collect on the debt. Um, but I just think it's, it, there's so much opportunity for 
a much better experience in terms of collections than, you know, the, the phone calls that kind of come out today. Hmm. Mm. What about you, David? What's uh, what was your sort of like either either dream opportunity or where th- where should which type of industry be focusing more? Do you think where's the golden sort of opportunities yeah. for these these companies? Yeah, yeah. So I concur with Peter that the collections companies and and companies that have collections operations can certainly benefit hugely. Um, but but more broadly, and of course we're close to end of time, so I've got to throw in the whole LLM thing. More broadly, um, because of our ability to integrate, not just with OpenAI, but having our own enterprise LLM and and the benefits of having that, meaning that you can have a you know 95 plus accurate virtual assistant with, with just one-tenth of the training effort. And in fact, even with the using the LLM model, that our enterprise LLM, um, being able to consume vast amounts of otherwise unconsumable knowledge within an enterprise and make that knowledge available to the virtual assistant or people who are using the virtual assistant. So that now the use cases and the and you know, it used to be that, oh well, you know, the the long tail kind of use cases we just can't service. And the mm-hmm. super hard knowledge, to, uh, hard to find knowledge, and hard to, to suss out the answer. We just can't. We just can't expose that through a virtual assistant. Well, now you can. And so, you know, I, I believe that that especially with our approach around using large language models, it's going to allow all of our customers to to just completely be able to fulfill all the requests. That would come in through a virtual assistant, um, with with you know little to no effort in the in training and maintain and maintaining the accuracy of that virtual assistant across all those even long tail use cases. So that's what I'm excited about. Mm, nice, me too. I concur with that absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting area. I think definitely the collections. I, w- I would concur with that as well. That um, there's some real good opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Banking is 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 uh, a no brainer. Uh, insurance. I think we didn't we didn't touch on insurance a great deal, but I think there's lots of interesting use cases with insurance. There's a company actually um, uh, called Peppercorn, which only is a chatbot in the same way as lemonade i'm sure you're familiar with lemonade in the us that began as a text messaging service you could take out insurance purely over sms company called peppercorn in the uk is trying to do something similar where it's only available as a chat interface and only via the comparison websites which is really interesting because typically the insurers didn't like the comparison websites uh, and then they had to play ball with them because they have no choice whereas now there's here's a company which is only exclusively available via a comparison website and this conversation first and so i think insurance is also an untapped area that i think we'll see a lot more activity from yeah i I think also on the insurance side you you have really kind of two audiences you've got policyholders and then you've got the agents and the brokers who are selling the insurance and so Mm. having you know possibly two separate um you know, assistance, one that's servicing the brokers that's telling them, you know, which clients are coming up for renewal, 
what's the status of claims for a certain client, you know, being able to automate all of these types of things, um, being able to do exactly what you just said and compare because these brokers work with multiple agencies. So being able to compare across so that they can then present back to the, to the potential policyholder, here's the best, you know, homeowners that I could find for you, et cetera. Um, I, I think there's really, there's a lot there to kind of help more of the, I guess the employees in the industry, like the agents and the brokers, as well as the end users, the policyholders. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Wicked. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure, gents. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been definitely interesting. I knew it would be interesting, but it's it's been really good to just really focus on one specific type of kind of industry and really kind of climb into not necessarily the kind of the the practicalities in terms of how do you design a conversation for this and implement this. It's it's been interesting just to explore the landscape really and get your thoughts on where the value is, where the opportunities are, the reasons why people should be, and also just general trends and, and kind of your perspectives on, on the industry has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for us. And for those who are, uh, who are interested, you can visit core.ai to learn more. That is K-O-R-E dot A-I. Uh, and there, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be able to find more about Bank Assist, which we've been talking a lot about. You can actually register for a completely free account and try the platform um, that way. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And uh, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't got your tickets to Edinburgh yet, please do that. It is the EuropeanChatbot.com uh, promo code VUXEU23 to save thirty percent. And hopefully, we'll see you in Edinburgh next month. Thank you uh, again, Peter. Thank you again, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Sure.